In today's podcast, I invite you to join me on a journey down memory lane as I share delightful stories of Christmas with my beloved grandma. From the memories of treat bags to send us off on the trip home to the warmth of her embrace, prepare to be immersed in the magic of holiday traditions and enduring love of family. And I'll ask you to consider who touched your life in a special way. If they're still with you, reach out to them this holiday season and tell them that they matter in your life. All right, this is a continuing series. This is part three of three in the Renewed Christmas Blessing series. So let's go on in. On Life Repurposed, you'll find a blend of practical wisdom and biblical inspiration that's designed to help you navigate everyday life with faith, purpose, and hope. We focus on personal and spiritual growth with a range of topics from improving your relationships and discovering your purpose to setting and achieving goals, plus tools and resources to help you live your repurposed life. I'm your host, Michelle Rayburn the author of books and Bible studies about finding hope in the trashy stuff of life. This is the last of the content that I'm going to share from the Renewed Christmas Blessings book because the rest of it, well, most of it, there's, I have a couple more chapters, but most of it belongs to the other authors. And so I'm not going to share their content here. That's in the book. But I want to share with you one more of my chapters as we get closer to Christmas here. So this is just part of my special Christmas series in December. So before we get into the episode, I'll just give you a little look at what the book is like. And then after you hear a little bit about Renewed Christmas Blessings, I'll give you my chapter, which is titled Touched You Last. Embrace the wonder of the holiday season as you discover hope, faith, and love in unexpected places. Renewed Christmas Blessings is a book of short stories, poems, and heartfelt essays. This inspiring compilation from Michelle Rayburn and 26 contributors weaves together the magic of the holiday season with tales of hope, resilience, and faith. Whether you're cozying up by the fireplace or seeking the perfect thoughtful gift, Renewed Christmas Blessings showcases a variety of captivating voices that will inspire and uplift. Inside, you'll discover anecdotes that beautifully showcase God's transformative power and grace, reminding us that even in the darkest times, light can shine through. Some of the accounts will remind you not to take life too seriously. You'll find delightful poetry that illuminates the profound connections between Christmas hope and a transformed life, plus a little humor. Personal experiences of finding purpose and renewed faith during the holiday season in good times and hard times. You'll discover reminders that even in life's most challenging moments, God is at work and blesses us with indescribable peace and joy. Renewed Christmas Blessings is the perfect gift to inspire perseverance in the difficulties as you celebrate the true significance of Christmas through these stories, essays, and poems. Let the true spirit of Christmas shine brightly in your heart. You'll find Renewed Christmas Blessings wherever books are sold. If a grandma training school existed, surely my grandma Ruby would have graduated at the top of her class. I'm certain she aced her way through Play-Doh and Water Messes 101, and she had extra credit in hugs, kisses, and warm fuzzies. She could have taught Blanket Forts 201. If being a grandmother ever frustrated her, she never let on. 
Now that I'm a grandmother to four, I wonder how she managed to mask any possible sign of irritation when we all descended on her home for the holidays. A half dozen pairs of little feet clomped up and down the stairs all afternoon, from the porch-turned playroom to the upstairs guest room, then back to the playroom, then upstairs to drag out the old bridesmaid's dresses and hats, and Grandma kept smiling and supplying bottles and boxes for our pretend grocery store and pennies for the cash register. We pumped the antique organ in the bedroom above the living room for hours, but Grandma never complained of a headache. Perhaps the empty bottles of aspirin and Excedrin she supplied for our play store told a secret we were too young to grasp. Now that I think of it, maybe that's why she often gave us each a quarter and let the whole pack of us walk over to Ben Franklin to buy a special treat. Be careful when you cross the street, was our only instruction. While Mom and the aunties bumped hips with Grandma in the small kitchen, peeling potatoes and stirring gravy, Dad and the uncles caught up in the living room on Grandpa's stories of so-and-so's farm and the effects of last summer's drought. Soon, the summons came to gather in the dining room, adults at the big oak pedestal table, kids at the folding card table, bowed heads as Grandpa said the prayer, a flurry of conversation and clanking of dishes as heaping bowls and platters passed around the circle and over to our table of squirrely cousins. Dinner rolls, dinner conversation, laughter, and then silence when Grandpa reached under the table to the nook between the pedestal and sliders to retrieve the Bible kept there. I'll never forget his low, monotone way of reading scripture after every meal, even holidays, and the slight lilt present in his number three, a blend of the English three and Dutch drie. I never cared about the mashed potatoes, squash, corn, or ham. Not the jello salad, quote, not even the Christmas pies. I waited for the snack trays Grandma set out after we opened the gifts. This was no ordinary spread, Tupperware container after container full of treats, and she had a stacking regalware picnic set of aluminum trays that clamped together with layer upon layer of different goodies. To my childhood mind, it looked just like the Tower of Communion trays that only adults could touch at church, only these were filled with holiday surprises. Whether or not my appetite had returned, there was always room for the chocolate-dipped confections, popcorn, nuts, bars, or shortbread cookies. And Grandma Ruby's goodies included treats from the store that we never got at any other time of the year. Butter pecan snowball cookies, cherry almond cookies that melted in my mouth, windmill cookies for our Dutch traditions, and long before cherry coke was a thing— Grandma's Christmas snack buffet included cherry Kool-Aid mixed with RC Cola and served in her fanciest ruby red juice tumblers. We lived across town, and on occasion, the cousins all stayed overnight, and the moms and dads went home. Grandma often allowed us to set up elaborate tents constructed with folding tables and blankets in the living room. She'd crawl inside with a flashlight and share an imaginary feast with us, or bring little plastic oleo bowls or fruit loops for a bedtime snack. She didn't make us take the tents down at night as we had to do at home. Instead, she let us sleep in them and leave them up the next day. I always figured being a grandma held a certain kind of magic that these sorts of messes were not as annoying as they were for mothers. I used to giggle when Grandma Ruby came to tuck us in. She'd put on her house coat and slippers, put her teeth in the cup by the bathroom sink, and then come kiss us with soft, puckered lips. I liked the way she sounded without her teeth. 
She sort of smacked when she spoke, with her lips folded inward, and the words with the letter S made a whistling sound. Good night, sweeties. Grandma Ruby's house was always the kind of haven that no grandchild ever wanted to leave. When I was young, she tried to soften the send-off with a baggie of treats. Pink wafer cookies, peppermints, pink and white frosted animal cookies, or bright lollipops with gooey chocolate centers that kept us occupied on the way home. I'm seeing the theme here now that I put it on paper. Grandma was all about goodies, and full disclosure, she didn't stop the takeout treats when we got older. When I was 10, our family moved two hours away from Grandma and Grandpa's house. Saying goodbye was even harder when we knew it would be longer between visits. I can't remember exactly how it started, but we made up a little game. Before we hopped in the Volkswagen for the trip home, I would touch Grandma on the shoulder and say, Touched you last, and then run away and race to get my car door slammed. Sometimes she could catch me before I got to the car. Other times she reached in Dad's door, stretching her arm to the back seat, and touched me just before we drove away. For more than three decades, we kept up the tradition at every Christmas and holiday, chasing each other and getting the last touch when our visit ended. In her 90s, Grandma Ruby's mobility changed, and she started using her cane, not only for walking, but for a last-touch advantage. Running was one of the things she always said she used to could do. So instead of running, she poked her cane around or between the cluster of hugging loved ones and made contact with an elbow or thigh and declared victory. I learned to use the excuse of one more stop at the restroom as a means of sneaking back inside for a surprise win. When my little boys continued the next generation of the game with great-grandma Ruby, it put a sparkle in her eye and I let her win more often. I never minded because kissing her velvety, wrinkled cheek was worth losing the game. Touched you last, she'd whisper in my ear as I sank into her pillowy shoulder. We continued it when she moved out of the farmhouse to a smaller ranch just blocks away and eventually to the nursing home, and then at last the game ended when I placed my hand on her wooden casket and said, I touched you last. But did I really? As clans grow, extended family gatherings have a way of becoming more infrequent. My husband and I eventually moved even farther away. Cousins' families grew and spread out too. The blanket forts, pretend play, and pump organ days have long ago faded into memories instead of traditions. My parents are now the great-grandparents, and I'm the grandma. All of my grandparents have passed on. But at Christmas and throughout the year, the lessons of love, faith, and hope from those long departed are always present. Our loved ones have not left us. They're in our DNA. They're in the smiles around the table, in the faith legacy represented in the nativity story we read before opening presents, and in the songs we sing on Christmas Eve as we hold candles and join hands. They are always in our hearts. In reality, Grandma Ruby touched me last. And now it's my turn. In my final thoughts in the Renewed Christmas Blessings book, I shared these words. 
I believe this is the part of the book where we light tiny candles and I lead in the opening notes of a hushed, silent night, followed by O Little Town of Bethlehem. We finish with a robust rendition of Joy to the World, trying to keep the wax from flowing like molten lava over our fingers. Then we blow out the candles, hug our dear friends, and wish one another the merriest of Christmases before heading out in the snow. So here are a few hugs. I'm deeply grateful for the 26 writers who shared their talents and treasured memories in the book. They brought their best, and we were blessed. If you enjoyed their stories, I encourage you to connect with them and find their other books, their podcasts, and more. So for those of you listening here today, I encourage you, when you get the Renewed Christmas Blessings book, to go ahead and connect with the people who helped contribute to that book, the the women who wrote the chapters. Many of them are fellow podcasters and have shows that I would love to have you listen to. Many of them are also authors of other works. And so I encourage you to connect with them on social media at the page on my website where I have a link to the information about the book. I also list all of their names. And so um, I'll link to that in the show notes here so you'll be able to find that. As we leave today, I would like to leave you with the Christmas story. Now, this is something that maybe your family has read from the Bible every year, and oftentimes it's read when the kids are super antsy and they really want to open their Christmas presents. And so as we read this today, I am encouraging you to just take a moment and pause This is hopefully before Christmas. I doubt that you're listening to this episode right before you open gifts. And so this is a moment for you to pause and for you to think about this season and to really connect with Jesus. And so I'm going to read the words from Luke 2 as we close this episode. At that time, the Roman Emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for the census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. That night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them. Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David, and you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in highest heaven, and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. 
After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished, but Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. Luke 2, verses 1 through 20, New Living Translation. I'm so glad that you are here today to spend a little bit of time just pausing to reflect on the Christmas season, your family members, and the wonderful things that are part of our heritage. If you're somebody who has a family background that's more difficult and isn't as quaint as my story, I want you to know that you are not alone. All of us have messy parts of our Christmas. All of us have family things we'd rather not talk about. They're all different, though, and some of us have deeper pain. And so I just want you to know that I'm thinking about you and that those renewed Christmas blessings are for you as well. I hope you've been encouraged by this series. I hope that you have been encouraged by hearing scripture today. And as we leave today, I just want to let you know what's coming up in the next couple of episodes. I first have an interview next week with Becky Melby. She is a fiction author. Actually, she's written a little bit of nonfiction as well, and she's contributed to two of the compilations that I've published. She's going to be talking about her story and what God has been doing in her life. And then we're also going to be talking about some of the Christmas fiction that she's written. So that is going to be the episode that wraps up our Christmas season of episodes. And then right after Christmas, before New Year's, I'm going to have Heather Creekmore as a guest. She's talking about a brand new book that just came out. So if you're listening to this before that episode, you can go ahead and look for her book on body image on um, Amazon and wherever books are sold. Her book is called The 40-Day Body Image Workbook, and it came out, actually, on the day I'm recording this, the book just came out today, but this is a great thing to plan ahead for 2024 if you're looking at doing something besides a diet. This is not a diet. This is for people who want to start with looking at what God says about our bodies, starting off the year that way, and not starting off with a diet and the mindset that God somehow made a big mistake when he made your body. So I encourage you to look for The 40-Day Body Image Workbook and 
and don't miss that episode that's coming up in two weeks where I chat with Heather about her journey. She's been on the show before, and we're just catching up on what God's been doing in the last few years since she was on one of our earlier episodes. All right, that's all I have for you today. You're going to find the show notes to this, the link to Heather's book, the link to Renewed Christmas Blessings, and the things I've talked about at michellerayburn.com slash 181, and you'll find the show notes there. If you're listening on your favorite podcast platform, I would love to have you leave a review of Life Repurposed on your favorite app. It helps other people find shows that they might be interested in listening to. All right, thank you. Merry Christmas to you, and I'll see you next week. Musical selections in this episode, including the instrumental of Silent Night, are used with permission under a free content license from pixabay.com. You've been listening to Life Repurposed. If you'd like bonus resources sent to your inbox each week, be sure to sign up at michellerayburn.com 